Masters. Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White, and... Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good morning. Uh, we are holding out for the spring. We're yep. still waiting. Anytime. Anytime now. You can brew in all weather, and um, perhaps this is keeping you. Uh, I am trying to get one more Pilsner out while okay. the tap water is cold. So you can, you know, find some blessings in the uh, unseasonably cold weather here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey. Hang in there. We'll get to the summer eventually and maybe uh, kick things up a little more. The AWOG competition is going to be coming up next, next week. Weekend, yeah. uh, the deadline is passed. Deadline is passed. All the entries are in. So just a lot of people sitting nervously waiting. You know, your uh, beer sitting in, I believe, John Crossett's basement, nicely set aside, organized. Everything's just waiting. One thing we've talked about before is the number of entries you get from year to year. And over the last maybe couple of years, you saw a really big jump. Mm-hmm. Has that leveled off? or is the- A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Still increasing, but just not at the rate. Well, it's uh, – I don't know if it's 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 increasing, but it, I think they got up to uh, their top number was somewhere around 650 okay. one year. Um, and they're right around, I think, around 600 okay. entries this year. I mean, it, I know that only from looking at – they had a live entry count on their website. So you could sit there and you could see when the entries were coming in, how many they were up to. And last I checked it about midday – on Saturday, it was up around 550, 560, uh, and it went till midnight. So you could, you know, enter till midnight as long as you got registered online, and then you could drop it off at our place on Monday or Flying Bison Brewery that night. So they had a big registration window. Always helps when you have a big registration window. It's plenty advanced planning, gets you lots of entries. So it's while it's, it's plateaued, I bet you it's still going to hover around that number. You know what I mean? Until you see the next kind of jump in home brewing again, and then it will jump up again. Because at one time it was like a 200, you know, would be a great year. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it started ramping up, and now 500, 600 is a good year. Okay. Did you, did you, uh, I entered. You did? I entered. Are you not allowed to say what you entered? I won't say what I entered. Okay. I don't know if there's any – the rules, I, I won't yeah, push it so we don't have to have rules right, like right, that. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the kind of thing that um, we talk about a lot when you submit your entry. There's to be no distinguishing yeah. Among people, identifying and, factors. And it's very interesting because, uh, you know, I was sitting down with some people who were organizing the competition, and then there was a moment where we were like, oh, you guys want to have a beer? And we all kind of looked at each other because we all are judges. And it was just like, well, what can we have? Mm-hmm. And so we, we ended up like talking around and we found out that we were all entering a similar style. And so we broke out our beers in those similar styles because we, obviously because we're in that category, we're not going to judge that category. But it, it was hard even saying what you had around on bottles because you didn't want to give up what you might have. Not because you think it's going to hurt you. You don't want them to help you in any ways. You want to get that full, honest, you know, uh, certificate back. Well... Good luck to you. Thank you. And w- after the judging is over, you can tell us what you made. And actually, yeah. that might be a good thing for a future show is to bring the sheet, the score sheet, the back score sheet, and, and all the super d- detailed breakdowns that you get. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll bring either my worst or my best score sheet. I won't tell you which okay. either. So, and, uh, so you have, wait, you, how many score sheets do you get? You, two to three. 
So okay. you don't just get one. Per so beer. that's the other thing, yeah. So you'll get an entry back from one judge, and if you feel like, oh, do you want to want, he's calling this over bitter, I don't feel like, and you can go over to the other judge, and you'll start to see the, you know, a little bit of preference in the judges, or maybe a little bit of how they, you know, said it. So one judge might say, yeah, this is a little at the bitter end for me for the style. You go over to the next judge, and they say, do you want to want, I would like it. It's in style. I would like it a little bit more. And so you'll see those kind of preferences. And so you see a range. So you can never enter a beer competition and are only judged by one judge yeah it's always a flight of judges and after everybody judges it independently you all sit down and you talk and you kind of come to a consensus on a common score so uh, you know two or three judges will judge your beer independently and then they'll all come back and they'll give you a score sheet niagarabrewers.org for banquet tickets yeah so the banquet tip Tickets are up for sale now. Um, if you show up there, you can walk. If you win, you can walk home with your prizes. Always great food. Always great uh, event. Usually a pretty rowdy crowd. Um, but, you know, fun event. And the event. Especially if you're entering. And information on the actual banquet, the event. NiagaraBrewers.org. I'm not sure exactly where it is this year. Um, it used to be at the UB Center for the Arts. They moved it to a uh, restaurant off of Niagara Falls uh, Boulevard last year. Uh, was also very well, you know, put together. And I think that's where they're doing it this year. Okay, very good. And again, for more information, NiagaraBrewers.org. Uniha, the Upstate New York Homebrewers Association homebrew competition, the 40th annual, Mm -hmm. and the deadline is May 2nd. So, and that's also the same thing. Register online. You can drop it off at Niagara Tradition. We already have folks who are dropping off entries. Some people, when they bring in their, you know, entries for AWOG, just drop off Uniha entries as well. Um, Even though that's a ways out, we are ready if you want to drop them off and, you know, have them there so you know that you got them in. You can always enter more later. Bring them in. We'll put them in a safe place. Okay. Very good. So May 2nd, the deadline for the Unihop entry. Uh, at the store, what's going on these days? We just got hop rhizomes in last night. So we're starting to break. We're inventorying them, make sure we have everything. If there's always some that are, you know, got a little beat up in packaging um, or just are kind of a little small to sell. So we kind of sort those ones out immediately. Um, but if you pre-ordered hop rhizomes, you should be getting a call or an email from us in the next couple of days. If you didn't pre-order rhizomes, we still get extra of every variety. So come on in. The earlier to plant them, the better. The earlier that you get your hands on them, the better chance you're going to have to get the variety um, that you want. But we have varieties from all your classic brewing regions, as well as the other thing is that we have some varieties, including like sunbean, which are actually meant to be an ornamental. They've been bred more for the character of their flowers and their leaves for cosmetic appeal than they have for any taste. But unlike some of the like Canadian red vine or something like that, they don't purposely have any horrible off flavors designed to stop you from brewing with them. So they're, they're still good to brew, but they are designed to be a cosmetic um, hop rhizome. For anybody who hasn't ever seen these before, you think of them more in a farming sense where they're just going straight up a pole. But they can be a very good ornamental for the backyard gardener, a good at covering up spaces that you don't know what else to do with. Again, they're perennial vine. Um, the above ground portion won't eat into your you know, uh, mortar. It won't tear apart a fence. It likes to wrap and tendril. It doesn't dig in and root above ground. Um, and it will come back every year with these wonderful, you know, yellow to green, bright pine cone-like flowers. So if you're interested in hops, if you like beer, even if you don't homebrew, grab some hop rhizomes. They're always a good talking piece. And I think they're still rare enough that if you have, like, a garden walk, they're going to be, like, one of the plants that sets you apart. Hmm. Not a lot of people have them. 
How much uh, are different varieties more powerful in how much the aroma comes off? Yes. Like yes. like and, the heaviest smelling hop off the would just be. Oh, but will you smell it sitting there? That's what I mean. I, I don't mean. I just mean like season. is uh is Columbus known to be very powerful while Chinook is you gotta get right up next to the flower. No, I, I can't think of any other like that that are gonna be like that much more pungent than the others. There are some people who are going for cosmetics. They tend to stink to American or English varieties because they produce very big cones that open up a little bit earlier, while like the German varieties tend to produce very small cones, very small flowers, so you don't get as much you know, visual appeal out of some of those Eastern European varieties as you do out of the Western European and uh, the American varieties, which really kind of come from mostly English plants. Yeah. Okay. So as a ornamental or as a little bit of a supplement to your garden for the garden walk you think yeah i planted them at my house last year a couple of my neighbors saw them they asked what they were and i know they're getting rhizomes this year to get them started gotcha so in terms of the aromas though i'm not going to be sitting on my back porch and all of a sudden hear a waft feel a waft and think hmm i want a beer now you might okay you good. might well, you might is that a good thing it's probably a good thing. yeah that's you'll fine. have me checking this fall right. that's for sure uh tax return season also means you can uh, maybe upgrade some of your equipment some of your materials so we're basically giving you a list every week of another impulse purchase, I think is a good way to put it. They, yeah. they, you might, they would actually help. So an impulse purchase that will actually help your brewing. So we talked about counterflow chillers, beer guns, the Fermonster, the Grainfather. Uh, and this week, uh, I want to talk about a thermostat. And I say over and over again, and people ask me all the time, this is the one purchase that actually made my beer better. You know what I mean? Usually getting a new gadget in home brewing actually causes a little more problems than it does help initially. Whereas a thermostat to control my fermentation temperature, um, even at the simplest end, made a huge difference because I used to do an insulated chamber with frozen water bottles. And then when it was cold, I would put those water bottles into the microwave or into the toaster oven, and then I would throw them into that same chamber to try to warm it up. So it meant I was coming back every six to eight hours and changing out these water bottles. wasn't really practical. And I know a lot of home brewers that do the same thing. Or maybe you find a room that has a good consistent temperature. Then you're at the mercy of whatever temperature that room is as far as what you're going to brew. Oh, that room is, you know, 58. This week, looks like I'm going to be brewing a lager. Oh, it's in the summer, so I'm at 75. It's Saison's you know, all summer. When you have a fermentation chamber, you can hit any temperature, any temperature schedule you want to, regardless of the kind of ambient temperatures in the house. And that makes a huge difference with your beer. They have a varying price range and varying functions, you know, anywhere from, we'll say $50. I'm trying to think of what one of my cheaper ones was to, I think, $100, maybe $120 for my most expensive out of the ones I own now. So it was a long time for me to purchase one, and now I can tell you I own over three, and they make a huge difference. I can't tell you how many times I would start a beer, do everything right, put, you know, six hours in on brew day, come back the next morning, and the temperature would be way off. Not to say the whole batch was ruined, but it wasn't giving the flavors that I wanted to. So having a thermostat allowing me to have that control when I wasn't there to watch the fermentation made a huge difference in my brewing. And it really took a lot of screwballs out of the beers. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't have these unforeseen problems down the road that I would have about every third batch when I didn't have a fermentation chamber, whether it was a drop in temperature, a sudden increase, causing me all sorts of problems with my fermentation, and something that was really outside my control. A thermostat brings that back into your control. Okay, very good. So thermostat, counterflow chiller, beer guns for monsters, grain mm -hmm. fathers, uh, a conical, maybe if you want to go that route. 
Yeah. These are all good options for a tax return. Yep. And so we've talked about this. The Fast Ferment now has a 14 gallon plastic conical. So for under $200, you can get uh, almost a almost a half barrel conical fermenter. It, 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 that, that's huge. As you said, it's big. 14 yeah, gallons. Yeah. I mean, you were looking at. Ooh, Blickman Triclamp, probably 10 years ago, every, the one that everybody wanted. I, I had it on, like, several kind of long lists of things to purchase. was 850 to $900. I don't have to tell you that I never purchased it because yeah. it was just kind of outside, you know what I mean, I think the realm of what I thought was justifiable for, you know, a single fermenter, especially since I tell you I jump around with my fermenters all the time. Um, and... This puts it into that range. You, you know, you're brewing a beer for a special event. You do a 10-gallon batch every once in a while to, you know, split with a buddy. This is going to be a quite the easy answer for it. And they look pretty nice. You know what I mean? Um, they're like a – they have a nice – they come with a nice uh, cast iron stand. You know what I mean? They have a traditional, like, dump valve on it. You can add in a, like, sampling spigot if you want to. Um, but you really have all – the kind of features of your stainless steel conicals. Now, you won't have the durability over time, but for $200, you know what I mean? You could get five of these things, brew with them for 10 years, 100 batches each, and you still haven't caught up to the price of a single stainless steel conical. So that makes a big difference, I think, for a a lot of folks. Yeah. All right. We'll get to some uh, cleaning chemicals and quick recap of last week's show, which was uh, cleaning your draft lines. Uh, We'll get back on the other side. It's Niagara Traditions. Just brew it here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply, 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. We kind of ran out of time last week when talking about draft line cleaning, right when we were getting to all of the different chemicals, all the different cleaners and things you might have. So, um, quick recap so we're going to cascade our problems by putting off the show topic for today yeah. and getting back to the one to last week i, the, I like the, that the, idea the cliff notes of of last week if you have problems returning to your draft lines after a cleaning they're rough on the inside you should probably replace them yeah so Dra- draft lines are cheap enough that when in doubt just yeah. replace them so where we left off is is hey you can get 10 years out of these you know what i mean if you regularly clean them but if you start regularly cleaning them and all of a sudden they return to their same gross state right away They've become furrowed. They, they, they've, the yeast has opened up like some porosity inside the hosing. It has a place to live. You can't get it all out, and they're just going to keep doing that over and over again. So if you have abused them, and they've been sitting around for a while, and they're becoming, you know, kind of dirty at a, a seems like an a impressive rate, it is time to just switch them. They are cheap. You know what I mean? Two to three dollars a line. And so for five bucks, you know, you can have all new lines on your system and it will make you feel a lot better about pouring beers for somebody, especially when you don't have to go down and take all the first beers off the each tap every night. It's one of the things when my lines are getting older, if I haven't been paying attention to my draft system that much, when I have people over, I go down there and I burn one beer off of each tap really quick just to make sure that I get all the beer that was sitting stagnant for the past couple of days out of the lines. Um, When you have clean, fresh lines, you 
really don't have to do that. But if you're noticing it's becoming a problem, that it's, you know, a couple of days and it really gets kind of gross, that means you have kind of a lot of areas that are shielding bacteria, shielding yeast inside your draft lines, and it's time to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while, even if you do take care of them, it is good for a, a, a refresh on there. Yeah. So. so let's talk about some of the different chemicals, the cleaning materials, the supplies, mm-hmm. and, and um, their most effective spots. And what Because they- a lot of people will be using these things, and I think a lot of the, the, the sanitizing and cleaning chemicals – they want you to feel like that's the only one you need, or that like it's an the all they're covering one. a lot of bases. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they really don't. And I really hate using all-in-one chemicals because I feel like when I'm, I use an all-in-one cleaner sanitizer, not only does it, you know, clean poorly, I feel like it also sanitizes poorly. Um, whereas if you're doing these, just like in your, you know, like you know, your Brewers Association standards for cleaning for fermenters, if you're doing a multi-part process for your draft lines, it makes a huge difference as well. So first of all, StarSan is not a cleaner. A lot of people think it's a cleaner. A lot of people use it like a cleaner, and you're putting in a lot of elbow grease. So you're rubbing it down with a lot of shop towels or you know sponges to get that stuff off, partially because Star Sand is just a sanitizer. It might have some work to pacify stainless steel items, so it might help keep your, you know, kind of an ion imbalance in your stainless steel so that it stays stainless. Um, it's really not a strong enough acid to rely on it for that, um, but it is not a cleaner whatsoever. And if you're sitting there and you're really putting a lot of elbow grease in and you still see, have these white films, that's why. StarSan is not a cleaner. It's sold in a lot of homebrew kits, and kegging kits is the only chemical you get in there, and it's really kind of leaving you short. If you only do it, you know, brew a few times, a sanitizer's probably already you need. You're not really building up any stone. You're not building up anything on the surface, and so you're okay with that. Um, but after you keep doing batches, after you keep using the equipment, it's going to start building up microscopic layers of stuff that you really can't see, and it's going to bite you in the long run. So Star Sand, great sanitizer. I love it. I use it all the time. Not a, not a cleanser. But I will say this. Star Sand and its kind of sister chemicals, uh, Sani Clean, are probably the only sanitizers nowadays that I will put through my draft system. So the other two sanitizers you often see in homebrewing are chlorine, which we kind of did a disclaimer at the start of last show, never chlorine on your draft system because chlorine will disrupt that ion imbalance in the stainless steel. And it will also corrode some metals very quickly. So it will oxidize your stainless or cause your stainless to oxidize and will help like, you know, flake off and corrode your chrome plating as well as have a chemical reaction with any brass elements bringing out like zinc and lead. So never any chlorine on your draft stuff. It's fine on plastic. It's fine on glass. It's great for home brewing. Probably the best sanitizer we can get our hands on. Um, as the average home brewer, but it's really not great on the equipment. Iodine is the other popular sanitizer, which is fine on the stainless. The only problem is it stains your keg lines. So these wonderful new clear keg lines within a couple of cleanings will turn yellow, and you really can't get rid of it. So while the if you only had chlorine and iodine, I would definitely be going for the iodine to sanitize uh, your kegs. Uh, it will cause some staining uh, on your plastic bits, and it's one of the reasons why it hasn't been as popular in the industry since Star Sand came out. Um, so those are your sanitizers. 
cleansers, we can kind of break down into three different categories here. And first are your potassium bicarbonate standard. And these are by far the most important cleansers you need to have around. So that's uh, Be Bright, PBW, Easy Clean, One Step, Straight A, you know, any of those white powdered eyes, home brewing like cleansers will do. They all kind of have the same base, which is potassium bicarbonate. So they're a mineral cleanser that will help pull off tannins and help pull off um, proteins and beer stone left behind by the yeast, left behind by the barley. Um, and really, if you were going to only have one chemical in the house, probably having a really good cleanser would be the best because if you strip away all the biota, you know what I mean, even if you don't kill it, if you take it away, there's not going to be a lot left to start something going. Whereas if you just use a sanitizer and you're just sanitizing the surface and you're not getting in there and getting actually the biota out, that's where it's going to cause problems in the long run. So you need these. They're safe on stainless steel. They're safe on the plastic. They're safe on chrome. They're safe on all your neoprene washers. Um, and they'll help get rid of the beer stone. And they should be what you're going to time and time again to help get um, your beer stone and tannins out of your lines. Another one you often see are strong acids. So you'll see, I've seen tartaic acid use. It seems kind of silly. But citric acid is by far the most popular acid cleanser. It's the same citric acid that you might add to food. I, I was just going to say, I mean? like, it's got to like, be... If you had a Lichtensteiner, that bacteria that used in Lichtensteiner produced citric acid. And it's this wonderful, bright, while it's not the citric, citrus acid, um, it does have a citrus-like flavor to it. Um, and this will help pull off any bicarbonates left over from your cleaners, uh, any you know bicarbonates left over <laughs> from the tap water. Um, and it'll help preserve that ion imbalance that you need to keep your stainless steel stainless. So while you don't need to do it every time, you know, at least once a year, I would recommend giving your lines a citric acid flush to help keep them clean um, and help keep that you know, minerals away because that minerals will act as a site that will shield bacteria later on, kind of cascading the problem. Um, the last group of uh, cleaners and sanitizers here are the kind of caustic cleaners. And then we see BLC, Super Flush, and uh, these are most often used by um, commercial cleaners. And one of the things that why they have to use these commercially that we don't often touch them at home is they are caustic and they are good at cold temperatures. So if you're cleaning out a big draft line that has, you know, elements inside a cooler, elements, you know, inside a cold plate in the wall or, you know, a, a draft box, um, you can't get all these things nice and warm like you can your home draft system with a half gallon of water to help clean it out. So you need something that's going to work at cold temperatures. And that's where the BLC, that's where the super flush comes in. They're by far the most aggressive um, cleaners. Um, and they won't damage your equipment at all, but they can damage your clothing, your skin, your eyes. So, again, wear eye protection, and I only use them sparingly. They're quite expensive compared to everything else we just mentioned. So you don't really need them every time. You don't really need them on a home draft system because you're only cleaning five feet of 3 sixteenths line. You can pump hot water through there, and you're going to get the same effect out of your B-Bite and pre-BW. But if you're a bar, if you're someplace where you have cold lines that you can't touch with a, a brush or anything like that if needed, um, the Super Flush or the BLC is definitely where you want to go. Okay. So the last thing that we talked about are <clears throat> building a draft line cleaner. Um, this is 
made wonders. It made it a lot easier for me to clean my draft system. It uh, definitely decreased the amount of time I had to stand in front of it. And I'm putting in less time and I'm getting a better product. So traditionally, you'll put a little bit of cleaner into a keg, a little bit into a spray bottle, and you spray it through the lines. So basically, you're limited to how many times you want to go back and cycle that over, and you're losing CO2 each time, um, or you know how many gallons do you want to make. So obviously, the most anybody would ever make is five gallons, maybe push it from one keg into a bucket and do that for each tap over the course of the night. But you're making five gallons of cleaner, and you're really not getting that much efficiency out of it. So if you take a pump and you hook that to an adapter so that you can hook it right onto your disconnect or even better back flush and hook it onto your faucet, um, you can use a small fountain or sub pump to clean your um, taps. Now, normally if you were, if you were going, you know, baller and you were making a whole five gallons of super flush to clean out your tap lines, you really weren't getting, like I said, it wasn't that efficient. You're not really getting that much out of it. If you take a cheap pump, the cheapest pump I could find locally in a store was under $15. Um, it still had uh, 240 gallons per hour, right? And so if you run that for 20 minutes, which is industry standards, um, that means that you had the effectiveness of running 80 gallons of cleaner through that tap line over, and that's just over 20 minutes. So if you decide to run it an hour, obviously triple that um, and you're up to 240 gallons an hour of cleaner um, so you can make a half gallon and have more efficient and effective cleaning than you would making five gallons and your tap lines will thank you it will make your life a lot easier when it comes to cleaning the taps and i would highly suggest it um, again, so a little bit of work to do this yeah, is it, it, a maybe, lot of convenience down the line. You got you to make one rum to a you know home goods store of some sort to get a uh, you know a small fountain pump or garden center. Um, then you got to come into Niagara Tradition. You got to get an adapter to hook up to either the faucet or the post. After that, you're done. You pour the cleaner into the reservoir. You hook it up to your tap. You put the reservoir underneath the uh, the faucet and you let it sit there and cycle for 20 minutes. That's it. You come back, you can have some really gross lines. And if you feel that thing was like super flush, just a half gallon, just a quart, and you let it go for 20 minutes, you're going to come back to some crystal clear lines. I have always been religious about cleaning my tap lines, especially in my jockey box and stuff like that. The first time that I had a draft line cleaner, and I'd always just been pushing five gallons, I'd put it through every tap on the fridge and then every tap on my jockey box, every party tap I had. When I made five gallons of draft line cleaner, I used it all over the place. Everything got clean that day. That still did not you know, equal the effectiveness that now I can get through one quart on all my lines. So it's it's saving me money, but most of all, it's saving me a lot of time. And I would have to say that I think house guests notice. Yeah. I don't have that one tap off to the side anymore. This, I wouldn't touch that. I, right. I need to deal with that one. Yeah. All right. Two episodes, basically, dedicated to uh, cleaning your draft lines. Very important. It's important, and it's It's, it's just like the intricate. thermostat. You can do a ton of work. If you have dirty draft lines, the beer goes bad. All that work down the drain. So next week we'll get to uh, – Make an extract taste like all grain. You got it. That'll be the, that'll be the mission. As we uh, do that on the day of the uh, AWOG competition. competition. So get ready next week. Uh, thanks for listening. We're back next week here on Niagara Traditions. Just brew it on ESPN 1520. 
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It. 